0: Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today is going to be so much fun. I say that for every program, but I tell you what, it really is fun. I love talking with my guests. But today we're going to be learning about how to get the help you need, is maybe one of the, the easiest ways to put it, when you are a business person. Um, You know, and and especially when you're just starting out because we're all thinking, oh my gosh, this is hard. I have to do it myself or I don't know how to do it, Um, you know, and, and so I love doing this because more than anything, we all need to know we're not alone in this. And so please join me in welcoming my guest to the program today, Nathan Hirsch. So welcome, Nathan. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Great. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Nathan Hirsch is an entrepreneur and expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He is the co-founder and CEO of FreeUp.com, and I say it that way because it has three E's, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much more. Now get this, folks, he has sold over 30 million dollars online and regularly appears on leading business podcasts around the world. So again, Nathan, welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love talking business, hiring. It's, it's great to connect.
0: You know, and it's funny, we were chatting before the program started. You are <clears throat> a youngster especially to somebody of my generation. Um, And you're one of those dreaded millennials. And I hate, you know, I hate that because all of the millennials I have come in contact with are people like you. They are entrepreneurs. They are go-getters. You know, all of these various things that people say about millennials, I'm always like, nah, no, you just don't know the people I know. Um, But you really got started with this as your passion when you were fairly young. So tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So growing up, my parents were both teachers, right? So I always had the mentality that I would go to school, get a real job, work for 20 years or 30 years, retire, and mm-hmm. that was going to be my life. And honestly, that's what they did. They, right. They're retired now, they're traveling the world, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I knew at a young age that I really did not want to do that. My right. parents always made me work these 40, 50 hour week jobs. I was inside working while all my friends were outside playing and enjoying the summer and I learned a ton about sales and marketing and right. customer service, but I also learned that this was not for me, and I was going to be miserable if I was working under someone for the right. rest of my life. So when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a ticking clock. I had four years to create my own business, or I was going to go into the real world and have bills and responsibilities and have to get a job. and yeah,
0: grown be up. <laughs>
1: So I started buying and selling people's textbooks. I used that that summer money that I had made. I competed against my school bookstore. I offered better prices. I created a little referral program. People started talking about me throughout the school, and before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books. To the point where I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. So I didn't. Get, I didn't want to get kicked out of college. My right. parents. were that wouldn't have flown very well. I
0: knew. That wouldn't have gone over. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: and I, I, I knew it was like my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and I wanted more. And I'd sold these books on Amazon. And back then this was 2008, 2009. No, no one knew what Amazon was. It was right. kind of, and
0: It was it, just kind of starting.
1: Right. Big bookstore. They were just getting into other products. And mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool. I could have this 24 seven storefront that I could wake up to sales and money gets deposited in my account. And I just had to figure out what to sell besides books. Mm-hmm. So I started experimenting with outdoor products, video games, computers, sporting equipment, typical college guy stuff that, that I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I just failed over and over and over. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't get anything to sell besides these books. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and came across the baby product industry that my business took off. So, the
0: baby product industry?
1: Yeah, if you can imagine me as a 20-year-old single college guy selling baby <laughs> products on Amazon, that was me. And people love their baby products. There was very little competition on Amazon. People oh. overpay for that stuff. And this business took off. I think we did over a million dollars in the first year. And wow, my parents are, are telling me, Nate, you should probably pay taxes because I'm making money for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I meet with an accountant. Mm-hmm. And the first question he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, Wait, why would I do 20, that? Money, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. They're not going to do a good job as me. I can do this forever, seven days a week for the rest of my life. And he just laughed in my face <laughs> and he said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around, the, right. the fourth quarter, I'm not prepared. I don't know what business season is. And Mm -hmm. I just get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets. My grades go down. And I somehow survive working my butt off to get to the other side. And I think to myself, man, I can never let that happen again. I need to start hiring people. So I'm 20. I I know nothing about hiring. Mm -hmm. I post a job on Facebook. This right. guy in my business law class says, I don't know what you do. I need a job. I say you're hired. Didn't even yeah. interview him.
0: And you're thinking, okay, business law, college student, sure.
1: Exactly. And honestly, he ends up being an amazing hire. He's hardworking. He's smart. He mm-hmm. hits the ground running right from the beginning. He's actually my business partner. I think I had a picture of him somewhere over here. Um, business Connor? partner of um, with up now. So we've been working together right. for eight years. Mm-hmm. So. I get extremely lucky. I hit the jackpot, but there I am as this punk twenty-year-old thinking, "Man, this hiring thing is easy. You throw a job on Facebook, someone yeah. shows up, you make more money, your life becomes easier." And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire Ooh. after bad hire, mm-hmm. learning a ton along the way. Mm-hmm. I quickly realize that hiring people in person when you're twenty twenty-one is very very difficult. So I turn to the remote hiring world, the mm-hmm. Upworks, the fibers, and I. They were okay. I hired some good people. It took a ton of time to post a job and go through a hundred people and hope that it worked out. But I always just wanted something faster, something that protected me, that had better customer service that I could just put in a request and they already vetted people and they would fill it. And I kept looking and looking and looking. And when I couldn't find it, I said, you know what, I'm going to build this myself. So that's really when the idea of the free up marketplace came about where a marketplace that That's people, the top 1% get in, make them available to people quickly with 24-7 support and a no turnover guarantee where if someone quits, we cover replacement costs. So that's the long, short story of how I went from a broke college kid to selling books, to baby products to eventually starting my own marketplace.
0: Yeah, you know, and and I love the concept, um, you know, and and that in a lot of ways is is my business, which is Wise Women Communications. I hire subcontractors, and then we, you know, we go out and and we fulfill um, what people do. To be honest, I haven't really been doing it a ton because I've been for the most part just on my own. But I do have a team of people if I need them. But you know, what I discovered when we were setting it up was. You know, much of what you just said, you know, there are companies that need someone to fill a a need. They don't want to hire a full-time employee. Because, of course, you know, there's so many things that go with that. And it might be a short-term thing. They need somebody to design a website, to design a brochure. Um, You know, as as you said, maybe they've got a busy season that they just need somebody to cover. So they really don't want to go through the time and the stress and the money of hiring a full-time employee. So they want to outsource it. Um, But they, in many cases, don't even know how to go about that. You know, they they were like, "Well, we need a website. Can you design a website?" And everybody goes, "Sure." Um, you know, and, and this was long before um, WordPress, and so you know, we had to, to really make sure that people knew HTML coding and, and things like that. But people didn't even know to ask for that, and so we found it was very interesting because. It, it worked well, you know. People really did have that need just for a very short-term thing, um, you know. And 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 you know, it it it's it's a great business model because you know, especially your your free up company because you combine everything. You have you you have employees, and then you have your freelancers and and people like that. And so that's what I love about it is it really is a combination of everything.
1: So the cool thing is we actually have no employees. We only hire people from our own platform. So if you think of it in three different levels of hiring people. You got the followers, you got the doers and you got the experts. The followers think 5 to 10 bucks an hour, non-US, virtual assistants that they have years of experience but They're there to follow your systems, Mm -hmm. your processes. Mm -hmm. Then you got the doers, the specialists, the freelancers, the graphic designers, the bookkeepers, the writers. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. Right? They're doers. And then you got the experts, the high level freelancers, consultants, the agencies that bring their own system, their own Mm -hmm. processes to the table. They're bringing strategy. They're executing high level game plans, Mm -hmm. and. You have to figure out as a business owner how are you using each different level. So on the free up platform, our customer service, our billing, our success team, which is recruitment, are all followers. They're all virtual assistants that we got on our platform, and we don't have any U.S. employees. All the day to day is done by them. Mm-hmm. Then you got the specialists, and we use freelancers. They don't work for us. That we're they're one of we're one of their many clients, both inside and outside free up. Right graphic designers, video editors, writers for our blog. I know you mentioned that you were on our blog before. Those are all writers on our platform that our clients can help as well or hire as well. And then the experts for Instagram, for Facebook ads, for UI UX. We hire experts, consultants to come in to help us do things that we're not experts at because you need that as an, as an entrepreneur. The average entrepreneur is only good at one to three core competencies. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly trying to master everything, your business is only going to go so far. So right.
0: And we we just are killing ourselves trying to do that.
1: Yeah. So just like we encourage clients to use the three levels, we use the same three levels as well.
0: Great. I love that because it it really is, you know, when when we start running our business, when we get serious about it you know, we do discover we need somebody that's kind of that basic level, then somebody that's a little more detailed, and then we need the experts, you know, and, and to me, I consider the experts to be the attorneys, the CPAs, the people who have that knowledge we absolutely need for our business. We're not going to get it by going online, you know, sure, we can figure out a little bit on Google, but that's dangerous, um, you know, and, and so, you know, we we need to outsource it, and You know, and and it's, I've talked about this on programs before. A lot of times when we start as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, we go into it with the impression that we have to know and do everything. And people will think less of us when we don't. Well, of course, that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, I'm not going to know the legal aspects, you know, how to do my own taxes for business, all of those various things. And so it's, it makes sense to become successful that we have to outsource things.
1: Right. I mean, you have to delegate.
0: I mean, there's very few $5 million
1: a year solo entrepreneurs out there. They they really don't exist. If you want to hire, if you want to scale your business, you're going to have to hire at some point. And it's funny to me because let's say you do marketing for a month or two months and it's not working. You're not just going to say, oh, I'm just not going to market my business anymore. Marketing's not for me. Mm -hmm. But but we do that for hiring. We hire some people. It doesn't work out. You make some bad hires and you're like, you know what? Hiring's not for me. I can't do it. I'm going to do everything myself. And that kind of mentality kills entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. you got to focus on... What you can control the interview process, the expectations, the feedback, all of that, and keep trying to get you closer and closer to that one hundred percent, and you'll never get there. no one has a one hundred percent hiring record, but the entrepreneurs that get in that seventy to ninety percent have a lot more success than the right. people that are in that thirty to fifty percent
0: mm-hmm. you know and and of course, the tricky thing is finding as you said, the right people you know and again, whether it's an employee or a freelancer consultant, you know whatever we want to call them and that's what i like about your um your system is as as we said they are pre vetted so you know Okay, this is their specialty. This is what they want to do. Um, you know this, all these various things, and so I'm not having to just run an ad somewhere and say, "Ooh, I need such and such and so and so," and then hope that I get the right people, because it's that that middle part that takes so much time—the finding the right fit—and so you've taken that kind of away by you know by. Not simplifying the process, but by, and, and certainly not skipping that step, but you've already done that step.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, we get about 2000 applicants a week to get on our platform. Mm-hmm. We vet them for skill, attitude, and communication, mm-hmm. and only the top 1% get on our platform. Mm-hmm. Now for skill, you can be a 10 out of 10, you can be a five out of 10, you could be a three out of 10. Mm-hmm. What we care about is, are you honest about what you can and right. cannot do? And are you priced accordingly? Mm -hmm. And we put them through skill tests. And once they're on the platform, we hold them to those expectations. We're Mm -hmm. not a place to experiment with clients or try out new things. Because it's your
0: reputation on the line.
1: Exactly. So if you're taking on projects you can't do at a high level, we're pretty quick to remove you from our platform. Right. For attitude, we do one-on-one interviews. We look for people who are passionate about what they do, people who um, can take feedback without taking it personally. We also understand that every client out there is not rainbows and butterflies, right? There's going to be right. difficult people out there. So how do you handle those situations? Are you professional? Are you the bigger person? Or do you get aggressive when something doesn't go your way? We have We look for people that obviously do the first part. And same thing, once they get on, we're quick to remove people that – show signs of a bad attitude. Mm -hmm. And then finally, you've got the communication. And Mm -hmm. communication is the key to everything, right? Because it doesn't matter if you have a great attitude or a great skill set. If you and I can't communicate, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. So communication is a foundation of our platform. We have 15 pages of communication best practices that they have to memorize and get tested on Mm -hmm. before they get on. And same thing. Once they get on the platform, if they're not responding within a business day, if my team has to get involved because a client can't get a hold of someone, if they're missing due dates, if they're not handling emergencies the right way, we're very quick to remove them as well. So we found that when you find people with the, the right skill, the right attitude, and the right communication, that perfect triangle, you have a lot of success when hiring.
0: Right. You know, it, it's funny. I saw on your Facebook page a couple of days ago, someone asked you, why don't you hire uh, new people? Uh, to to freelancing and I loved your response to that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, the, the first basic reason is that people are coming to my platform and they want experienced freelancers, and I introduce them to Bob, and Bob tells the client, "This is my first time freelancing <laughs> ever." That uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, look uh, very good. Um, but the real reason is freelancing is hard. You're right. a business owner. You have to think of yourself as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of parts to that. If you're a graphic designer and you only want to do graphic design. Go get a job at a corporate company and, and be a graphic designer for them, and that's all you'll do. You do graphic design all day. If you want to do a graphic, de- if you want to be a graphic design freelancer, you have to focus on marketing and lead generation and the bookkeeping and the customer service behind your clients, and you have to scale from there. There's a lot of time management, and I can't tell you how many freelancers think they want to be a freelancer. The right. idea sounds good in theory. I want to
0: make extra money, and I've got a couple extra hours.
1: Exactly. And it doesn't turn out that way. And the last thing that we want to do is give someone a, a, a freelancer that isn't a hundred percent sure they want to freelance and we give them all these clients and then the freelancer is overwhelmed. They're not hitting deadlines or stressed mm-hmm. out. They're like, this isn't for me. And then we have to replace and make it right with all those clients. So right. that's the main reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it's your reputation that's on the line because I'm assuming a big part of your business is repeat and word of mouth business. You know, and and so, you know, clearly if they're not happy, you're not going to have them as repeat business. And word of mouth, the last thing you want is somebody saying, oh God, don't hire these people.
1: Right. We. I'm in an imperfect industry, right? Because I can give the same graphic designer to 10 different clients and nine of them might love them and the other right. one hates their style. And even the best freelance in the world are the best fit for every single client out there. So we do our best to, to make sure everyone's happy. You're hundred percent right. Like our reputation is everything. And we want the reputation that, Hey, we're going to provide really good freelancers. They, they make me look good very often, more often than not. And they're going to do a good job. And on that off chance that they don't, if you reach out to us, we're going to make it right. We're going right. to make sure you're taken care of. We're going to make sure you're treated fairly. We're going to make sure that from our side, we adjust things to make sure that same experience doesn't happen again. Cause that's a, as a startup, that's really the only thing you can do is fix, keep fixing your processes. And, and that's really what we're going for and the reputation that we hope that we have out there.
0: Right. You know, and, and you mentioned the key thing, and that's communication. You know, if if someone has hired you, well, they have to let you know if things aren't going the way they expected. You know, the, the worst thing is when they let it go too long and then they're just really unhappy. You know, deadline one gets missed. They need to let you know, you know, and, and you know, all of those various things. And then communication with your freelancers, you know, maybe, maybe something's going on in their life. Maybe they went on vacation, you know, all these various things. If But if they haven't told you that, then you can't expect to, you know, just divine it and and know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's kind of a, excuse me, a fine line between Checking with clients and giving them resources to protect themselves like uh, there's a limit feature. You can set a weekly limit hours per week so you can't get over bill. You have a, a week to dispute every invoice before we pay the freelancers. You've got that time period. But then over bothering people too because we have a lot of clients that use our platform. They never talked to me before. We don't know what they do or what they sell. They hire freelancers on our platform works between them and the freelancer. The freelancer doesn't share any of that information with us. And we only know if things are going well or going poorly if someone tells us. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of that that fine line in between there that that we're constantly balancing.
0: Yeah. And you don't want to be sending them daily, daily, how you doing, how you doing, how's it going, emails.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And not everyone likes emails. So how Mm -hmm. do you communicate with the people outside of that? I think that's kind of where we're at as as a business is kind of figuring out what does that client experience look like from start to finish Mm -hmm. How do we adjust that experience? Because everyone uses our platform a little differently. Someone might hire 10 full-time VAs in the Philippines. They've had them for three years. Someone might hire someone for a Shopify site, have them build a site and never talk to them again. Someone might have two graph designers on call that they go to for different things or a part-time VA for 20 hours a week. So everyone's using the platform a different way. Everyone communicates a different way. And we have to figure out how do we adapt that for each situation.
0: Right. Now, it, as you were talking about this, it, it really made me curious because clearly you're dealing with people around the world. So it's a 24-7 type of, of thing. And, you know, and then I'm just curious, how many on average um, people are do you have as, as part of your freelance stable at a time?
1: So we have about 3,000 people on our platform wow. um, offering services. We, My internal team is 40 VA. So I have people that cover my Skype, my email 24-7. So you're right. This is a 24-7 business. We have clients and freelancers in all time zones. And, and we want to provide that same awesome, fast support mm-hmm. for the clients That we do for the freelancers. I mean, Mm -hmm. the freelancers don't work for us. We're there to serve them. And that's the mentality that I put my team into. So Mm -hmm. if a freelancer has an issue with a client or an issue with the software or whatever it is, we want to be there instantly to help them no matter what time they message us. And Mm -hmm. same thing with the clients. And obviously, I need to sleep. I have a personal life. I have stuff there. So I have people that that are constantly on even when I'm not to to make sure that people are taken care of.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it, it's funny when you talk about a personal life, I read your book, which uh, it, we didn't even mention that you have a book <laughs> called I, free up your business. Um, and normally I hold the book up, but I had the digital version. So, um, but oh, oh, you've got it. You've got it. Maybe. maybe. It okay. too long um, <laughs> and, but, but yeah, it, it can be found on, of course, Amazon. Um, you know, but one of the things you talk about is that you know, and and it, it, so the the premise of the book is you you're starting your business, and then here are, are you know 50 ways to to um, things that you need to think about, things that you need to do to make your business successful. And you know, one of the things that you mention is that you have to have a personal life. You you know, and and a big part of why you need to delegate, why you need to hire someone to do these things. Is to be able to have that free time, you know, even if it's you know a single person who you know doesn't have kids, doesn't have a spouse, all those various things, you still should have a personal life. So let's talk a little bit about that. Why is that so important?
1: So it, it's funny. I think a lot of people get into entrepreneurship thinking, all right, this is my this is my path to make more money, to have, not have a ceiling on my payment, but also I can to be my gonna, own boss, mm-hmm. exactly, and that gives you the flexibility. And it's amazing how quickly that changes within the end of year one of being an entrepreneur. The business owns you. It controls your life. It's all you can think about. And as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you experience this too, it's really tough to like turn it off. You don't just have an off switch where you just.
0: And your clients expect that you are available 24 seven because after all you work in your bedroom. (laughs)
1: and that's actually something we we so we provide a lot of content to our freelancers they they can offer their services however they want they're running their own business we have resources if they want to use them they're optional and part of that is setting expectations with clients of this is when i work this is when you can contact me this is when you can and and that's what helps freelancers have more of a personal life but i mean what's the point of being an entrepreneur if you if you're not enjoying the things of life life is short the last thing you want to do is wake up at the end and be like wow i just worked that entire thing away so for me, I like to surround myself with people that get, get me away from my business. It's one of the reasons why I don't work with my fiance. And when she comes home from work, i am happy to give her my phone and say, Hey,
0: now, wait a minute, your fiance, you, you give your fiance, your phone.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, I could be on this thing all day and it's it, probably one of the best decisions that I ever made. And we're not talking all the time. I think she, she can kind of tell my, my stress level as well. Like if I've been, if she comes home and I'm still working and it's seven o'clock and, and I was up at 5am, she's like, all right, like we got to get this away. Or she knows if I'm wrapping up a big
0: right. project. Or oh whatever. yeah. There are times where you have to be working.
1: Yeah, it's case by case, but even small stuff like that, like I like to go to the gym and that's my, my way to get away from technology. I'm not on my phone there. I leave my phone in my car. I don't have headphones on. Mm-hmm. I'm just focusing on the music and the gym there. So different things that you can do whatever you like and just mm-hmm. making sure that you're never going to find that perfect balance, right? Everyone's right. trying to go for that perfection. That There's doesn't- no
0: balance. Anybody who talks about the work-life balance, no. That teeter-totter hits you in the face. <laughs>
1: yeah, just make sure you're enjoying life, whatever you're doing. If you're running your business, if you're with your friends, whatever you're doing, I have my mentality, work hard, play hard. Like go all out in whatever you're doing and, and enjoy the process along the way. It's not always about sprinting to the finish line.
0: Right. Now you mentioned something else and, and this is in your book also and I actually wrote it in my notes and that's working with friends. Now, you know it, it, that's a tricky thing. So talk to us a little bit about that. So, Connor, my business partner, and I, I mean, we're friends
1: at this point. We you together. You've
0: been together for a long time.
1: Exactly. I had talked to Connor as much as I talked to my fiance some weeks. So, they, that, that stuff happens. Um, but I, I did hire a lot of friends when I was in college. And part of it was that they were friends. Part of it was that they were just college students and we weren't their number one priority. College was their number one priority. And part of it, they were somewhat irresponsible and, and stuff like that. So, I, kind of, Connor and I have kind of made that decision that we don't hire friends anymore. We had situations where we had to fire people that we were friends with, and it definitely hurt our relationship. Not friends anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I've actually had I had a business partner with my first business that we're actually still friends now, but we realize you know what, we're just not very good at doing business together. We just clash too much. So there is a, a lot of level of professionalism there, but I think as an overall goal, you should try to avoid the friends, avoid the family. I think that if it just becomes too interwined, it just becomes impossible to break away. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're working with someone 40 hours a week and you go to the weekend at some point, weeks later, months later, years later, you're not going to want to hang out with those same people all the time. So right. I like to try to separate. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and that's interesting because of course for each person, it is, it's a personal choice yeah, because I've had people on before um, who are, you know, business partners with family. And, you know, for some, it works really well. And for some, really, it, it doesn't, you know, and and um, one group said, you know, they made the decision. And and it really is a family thing. I mean, there are like five of them that are, are there. They absolutely do not talk business when they are not at the office. And, and they said, you know, they, they had to make that a hard, fast rule, because, you know, for one thing, they needed the break. You know, they just mentally needed to, to take that break. And that was probably the most important thing. But, you know, they also discovered very quickly that, you know, there were other people that were there. So like at Thanksgiving, I mean, you don't want to have five people talking about business and everybody else going.
1: <laughs> you know? right.
0: So, you know, but yeah, it, it is tricky. And it's I've always found it difficult to work with friends, um, especially if something goes wrong. Um, because it's, you know, it's really hard to, to say, you know, no, this is, this is not working out. And unless you've got an incredibly stable friendship, you're more than likely going to lose that friend.
1: And it's all about setting those expectations up front. Right. Like you you gotta be like you said, this is when we talk about work, this is when we don't. This is how we handle issues when they come up, this is how we're gonna handle if we ever if we ever break apart or if I have to fire you, like this is how I expect right. it to go down, really laying out all different avenues that, that could possibly happen and, mm-hmm. and making sure you're on the same page.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned, you know, setting expectations because when I started Wise Women Communications, and it this has been, you know, almost 25 years ago, I of course went to my friends to say, Hey, I've got this business idea. Do you want to be part of it? All those various things. And, and, and it worked great. We were friends, we had so much fun and then it didn't work great. Um, And what happened was one of my subcontractors, you know, I, I call them that as opposed to a freelancer, pretty much the the same thing. Um, I get a, a phone call from the client and they said, you need to know you've got a problem. And, oh, you know, and, and I said, you know, what, what happened? And they said, well, you know, this, you know, your, your subcontractor contacted us. And, and this was a client we were doing a major project for, they were starting their business. And so we were doing every single marketing thing for them, website, signage, printed collateral, I mean, anything. And I, I mean, this really was a huge project. And she went to them. Now she knew that they were my friends also. I mean, that was how we got that, that job was, you know, they were my friends. And so she knew that I knew them and she went to them and, and said, you know, this, you know, we're working on this. When we're done with it, you might want to know that if you contact me directly for future projects, it'll be less expensive. Wow. And yeah, wow was not exactly my my. <laughs> you know, I, I said bad words, and so you know I immediately contacted. Well, I didn't immediately contact her. I actually waited to calm down a bit, and I contacted her, and and you know w- without being accusatory or or mad, I said you know I think we have a situation. Here is what happened. Well, then of course she denied it, and I said, well, first of all, you know that I'm there, you know personal friends with them. So why would they be lying to me? I said, but more importantly, you sent this to them in an email and I have the email. (laughs) Um, I know, I was like, okay. And so, you know, lost that friendship, you know, and and so of course what it did was it made me reevaluate, you know, how I was going to work with people. But the biggest thing it made me do was create a contract that I had with them. and And in essence, part of the contract states, I don't poach clients from you because that might be how we got that client, um, you know, and you don't poach clients from me. And now, you know, is it enforceable? You yeah. know, are always kind of, you know, those, those iffy things. Right. But just having that in writing, I think was, was the big thing. And so I think that's where it's important to consider is, you know, a, a, we all love handshake agreements. Get it in writing. You know, writing is just the best way to do all of this.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the best practices. Get everything in writing, get hours in writing. If a client comes back and they're like, I haven't approved these past 50 hours of work. You need to be able to show where you said that where it's clear, Hey, I'm going to do 50 hours on this. Do you approve? Yes, I approve. It's really that simple. We have the terms of use of our platform, like not going around clients. Like we have agencies on our platform. Mm -hmm. So if you get an agency on our platform, you can't go around the agency and hire their subcontractors and freelancers won't steal the client's work and, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So um, for, we have all that, we recommend getting everything in writing. Obviously contracts are great. At some point you have to think of, uh, are you really going to chase someone across the Philippines over a piece of paper, stuff like that. Um, But, but I completely agree with you. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it is, it's to cover everybody you know, you, and and one of the big things it covers is the clients. I mean, you know, you mentioned one of the things that, that you have is, is to say, you know, a maximum number of hours per week that they will work. So, you know, say they've said, okay, I want to hire this person. I'm not going to pay them more than 10 hours a week. So they know then their budget is $200 or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, so then when it's, you know, maybe Wednesday, (laughs) and they're getting close to that 10 hours then everybody knows to say hello you know we can either stop working or you can approve that we do more and and again that's like an incremental thing you know do you want us to do five? hours more you know all of those various things but that way it it covers the client too um you know and and plus the again they know what to expect you know i'm getting x number of hours and i have that agreement with my va who um does the the she's my producer for this program you know we she has a certain number of hours per week and you know if i am asking her to do extra I am authorizing her to do extra. And I do it in writing, um, you know, even though she and I are, you know, we're, we work together very well. Again, that just covers everybody. So there's no misunderstandings.
1: Yeah, completely agree. I mean, it, it's all about that expectations like, people don't realize that if they spend just a little extra time at the beginning. They can save so much hours and, and hassle and, and disputes. And he said, she said down the line. So um, that you have to spend that extra time.
0: Right. And, you know, and, and it's nice when it is a simplified process, um, you know, and, and you get it down to where it's just fill in the blank. Here are these various things. Um, but it, it also, again, from the client perspective, helps you to know the scope of work. Um, you know, what I hate are what we call the scope creep type of of projects where it's, well, we wanted this, we hired you to do this, but oh, can you do this? Um, you know, and, and I mean, that's just, anybody you know if you're an employee it's that's kind of the other job duties as assigned part of your job description but you know it, it keeps things to where they're they're supposed to be
1: yeah so we we have best practices for that too again we know every client is not rainbows and butterflies and if that happens don't just keep giving the client an inch keep giving them an inch that's eventually going to blow up and no one's going to be happy instead pause work mm-hmm. take a step back Reset expectations, change the scope if you have to, update the price if you have to, get confirmation in writing, and make sure that you don't continue unless, until you guys are both on the same page. Right. If you do right. that every time the scope changes, you're going to have a lot more success going <laughs> forward.
0: Right. And, you know, the important thing to note is nobody's doing, you know, 99 percent of the time, nobody's doing this deliberately to try to rip somebody off or, or do things like that. It's just you know, like, for example, when we design websites for people, invariably they'll come back and they'll have seen something cool on somebody else's website and they'll say, can you do this? You know, they're not trying to get something for nothing. They're not. You know, all the, they're just thinking, "Hey, this is cool. Can you do it?" So then, that's where you know you're able to say, "Sure, we can," but here's the additional cost for it, and then they can decide, "Okay, yes or no." Um, you know, and and so I think that's the the thing is, you know, people kind of assume, "Oh, you know, they're trying to rip us off." No, you know, it's just yeah, you know, and we do. We and it's like the bright shiny object, right? Ooh, I see that and I want that. Um, <laughs> you know, and and so this just covers everybody.
1: Yeah, and, and always feel free to, to, like you said, give clients options. Be like, hey, if you want this, it's this. If you want this, it's this much. If you want C, it's this much, and and it's uh, it's up to you to decide. But I can't proceed forward and, until you let me know which one you want to do.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that you have three thousand employees, <laughs> three thousand people, and you know what that really means is that you have so many resources that you can be matching with people. Um, you know, it's not that you've got ten. And they have to fit that box. It's you know you've got three thousand people that that you're able to match people with, um, and so let's talk a little bit more specifically about what you do. And and you know and it, because we want to give people this resource, um, I'll be honest. I've used Fiverr in the past. They've done a variety of things. The intro to my program is a Fiverr person. Um, you know, it took me a, a while to find the right person because a lot of Fiverr people are not U.S.-based, and, and I wanted, you know, an, an American-sounding voice. But, um, you know, it was I, – I have used Fiverr, been happy with them. Some people, you know, not so happy. But, you know, what you do, you actually – well, maybe I don't use Fiverr to the extent, but, you know, you provide – it seems to me far more resources than than somebody like Fiverr. So you can do the things like, hey, a logo design or you know something like that. But tell us more specifically about the various services that you guys offer.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have over a hundred skill sets on the platform. If you think of the, those followers, you've got the virtual assistants, you got lead generation, you got sourcing, you got bookkeeping, data entry work, customer service. In the mid-level specialists, you got whether it's an e-commerce specialist or social media specialist, writers, graphic designers, video editors, bookkeeping, audio editors, all those those specialists in there. And then the experts, you got marketing, you got software, you got experts in social media, you got experts in even content writing. There, there's high-level sales experts there, Amazon, eBay, Shopify. So it's such a wide range. We're always trying to add different skills. We're very careful to not add skills unless we can not only vet them properly, mm-hmm. but also have a, a good amount of people because right. if something goes wrong, you got to be able to replace them and, and all that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we have over 100 skill sets. Obviously, Upwork and Fiverr—they're publicly traded companies now. Mm-hmm. They're huge. We can't compete with them on amount of freelancers they have, but we can't compete with them on their software. But we can't compete with them on our speed. We can't compete with them on our customer service. We can't compete with them on our protection and everything else. We're trying to improve over time to to get to that level.
0: Right. You know and, and again, I want to emphasize the fact that you know, as a small business owner, we've got these needs, and whether it's to use your service or or something else, it we're not in this alone. you know we really can go out there and and I think when I see businesses struggle and or fail, that's what I see happening. you know they they either have just so overwhelmed themselves that You know they've they've just run themselves into the ground. You know and and um, you know and and I see people you know people will tell me that all the time. I want to go back to a nine to five job so so that I know you know what to expect and and certainly not knocking nine to five jobs. I mean that's you know for for many many people that is is the perfect situation for them. But you know when you're going to that simply because you ran yourself into the ground, that's probably not a good thing. Or more importantly, I will look and I'll go. You know your website needs work or. Um, or you know they you know, a variety of things that they just don't know how to do, and it really is pretty easy and let 's be honest, fairly inexpensive to outsource it and in the long run, it saves you and makes you money. i think that 's the big thing for people to remember
1: yeah a hundred percent agree i mean. you got to delegate. You got to become good at it. It's one of those skill sets that they just don't teach you in school um, that they really should. The people that can manage others and get the most out of others and really figure out what motivates others because I think that's a key part that some people miss because what motivates one person doesn't motivate the other. Mm -hmm. How do I hire someone and get the most out of them so they crush it for my business? That's my passion. That's what I care about. How Mm -hmm. do I make them care about what I care about? That's a big part about being an entrepreneur.
0: Right. You know, and it is a little bit tricky when you're hiring somebody just to do, you know, a one-time or a short-term, short-term type of project to get that passion for your business. But more than anything, maybe you know they have a passion to do the job well. You know, they might not really care in the slightest about what I do, but they care about doing a good job for me.
1: Right, and that's why that passion under attitude is so important. If you hire a graphic designer, they need to love being a graphic designer. If you hire a bookkeeper, and I hate bookkeeping, I'm sure you hate bookkeeping. They need to love bookkeeping as much as I love being an entrepreneur. And if you surround yourself with people that are so passionate about about what they do, a lot of awesome stuff happens.
0: Right. Now you know in your book again, which is called "Free Up Your Business." One of the things you talk about is when to make the decision to actually hire employees. So let's talk, you know, because for many of our businesses, they will reach that size where, you know what, they might truly need to have an employee as opposed to a whole bunch of freelancers. Um, you know, and, and clearly it's going to depend on what you do, what your personal preferences are. I mean, you mentioned the fact that you have this huge organization and no employees. So, you know, it, it obviously can be done, but when do you need to hire an actual employee?
1: So I wrote that book a few years ago. My business partner wrote it with me and I think my mindset has changed a little bit. So going into that book, I, I came off an Amazon business where we got to a certain point, we hired employees and we actually ended up getting rid of them and going back to the remote and the VAs (laughs) and all that with free up. We want to stay completely away from employees as long as possible. I (laughs) mean, Who knows how far we can push this thing being remote only hiring from our own platform, but we're sure as hell going to try. So Mm -hmm. we're we're really focused on that. To me, the only time now that you need an employee is if you need someone physical, if you need someone in your warehouse, you need a cashier. We live in the gig economy. The gig economy is booming. Over 50% of the workforce is going to be remote over the next 10 years, they predict. so you have all this opportunity where you're not limited to your town and the town around you, you can, I have clients who own a restaurant that's in Orlando and they use people remote for everyone that's not in the restaurant, all their social media, their bookkeepers, all remote. So to me, you can hire VAs, freelancers, and agencies. You can outsource almost anything. And the only time you need an employee is when you need someone in your office. Obviously I'm biased. I own a freelancer marketplace, but we just kind of, there's just so many benefits and advantages to it. And I have plenty of clients who do the hybrid where they've got employees in their office. They got VAs, they got freelancers. Maybe they have v, they give each of their employees a virtual assistant. I've seen that too. So you have that flexibility. It, it, it just, to me, it's farther down the line than people think. I don't think you have to start a business and in year one, hire five employees. I think that time has really passed. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, and employees, I mean, there's so much that goes with hiring employees and, and, you know, especially from a cost perspective, because you, you, you know, it's going to vary. Where you are, but you know the benefits that you have to provide to them. Um, you know that's a cost. You know now it's not that we're saying we don't want to give people insurance. You know I mean that's we're not doing this to avoid giving them these services. Um, but there's there's those costs. There's the overhead costs. You know if you have employees typically, then you need office space. And so think about it. Do you really need? office space. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying, you know, hey, he just had had gone out and leased some space and all these various things. and, And my first thought was, oh, you really need space, um, you know, and, and and I'm not sure that he did, um, but especially when, you know, in, in midi, especially large cities, you know, I'm, I'm in Atlanta, there are office sharing places, you know, so if I need to have an office so somebody can come and meet with me, there's options for that, but you know we can also also meet in Starbucks or you know someplace else. You know, so it, I think as you it, it's it's as you said we're getting more and more away from hiring a true employee. You know, and, and the cool thing is, I mean, you could hire a freelancer that works forty hours a week for you. Um, you know, and and you know obviously you have to have set that expectation, but yeah, it's it, I think that's maybe one of the the things that many small business owners don't stop to think about is do I really have to hire an employee or can I have someone, you know, some a consultant or a freelancer for this?
1: Yeah, it's, it's all decisions. And I mean, if you hire a VA in the Philippines, you can always go back to hiring someone in the U S in your town. I mean, that option is not going anywhere. So I encourage people to at least try at least experiment and you can always go back if it's not mm-hmm. for you.
0: Right. Well, and you know, for, for somebody who's like, Oh, I don't want to hire somebody overseas fine hires hire a VA that's you know as you said local or you know based in your country that's perfectly fine too you know my VA wonderful person and I'm not just saying that because she's my producer she's in New Jersey. I mean, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, all all that's true. It it gives you a lot of flexibility. I mean, we have people on our platform from five to a hundred plus per hour, fixed prices too. And we're about 40% U.S., 40% Philippines, 20% scattered around the world. So you really have a lot of options at your disposal, whether you're hiring someone full-time, part-time, project-based, on-call, whatever it is.
0: Right. So, you know, for people who are thinking, okay, you know, I I can do this. I want to hire a freelancer what do they need to do? What are the first steps that they they need to do?
1: Yeah, so I, I start off by by looking at how much money you made last month and okay. figure out how aggressive or how conservative you want to be. If you want to be more aggressive, maybe you're investing 40 to 60% of your profits. If you want to be more conservative, maybe it's 20 to 40%. Mm-hmm. Figure out what that number is and you can always go up or down mm-hmm. each month. You can go up 5% the next month, down 5%, whatever that is, but at least have a starting point. Mm-hmm. Next, I recommend creating two lists. The first list is everything you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And you're going to prioritize that list from easiest to hardest. And you're going to circle things you hate doing. You're going to circle things that um, take up a lot of your time without a large amount of ROI. Your goal here is to get hours in your week back. What would you do with an extra five hours, an extra 10 hours every single week? And And it could be business or personal. Right, exactly. And the flip side is Everything you're bad at. One of my favorite activities with Connor is we identify all our weaknesses. And, that, and a lot of times you'll say, okay, we complement each other very well. But there's also a list of all these things that we're both bad at, but we're doing them every single week. So you have to hire those specialists and those experts to take those weaknesses and turn them into strengths.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Created your budget, created those two lists. So you have a starting point and you can start at the top of each list. Then you've got identifying what that perfect person looks like. Are they an employee in the US? Are they a virtual assistant? Are they a freelancer? What level? Are they a follower, a doer, or an expert? What skills do they have to have? How many hours a week? Really identify what that perfect person Mm -hmm. looks like. And also identify what type of people you work well with, because Ah. that's important. If you don't know the type of people that you work well with, you're going to struggle overall. I tend to work with well with people that are direct, that work fast, that move fast, that can take feedback well. That's just me personally. Next is that interviewing, so finding a platform like FreeUp and interviewing for your own skill, your own attitude, your own communication. <laughs> interviewing to make sure that they're the right fit for you, and valuing your time and in the interview at the highest level. If you know someone needs to work Sundays. Make sure that's the first question you ask and you really make sure so you don't spend 45 Mm -hmm. minutes only to realize that they can't do what you want. Mm -hmm. After that, it's all about setting expectations, getting everything in writing, the scope, Mm -hmm. what's included, what's not included. And then last is my favorite, the feedback loop, which I think a lot of people forget. And Mm -hmm. a a quick story here. I mean, back in the day, I used to have 50% turnover. People hated working for me. People were walking out the door. Mm-hmm. And I asked one person who was quitting on me to do an exit interview. Ah. And he let me have it during oh. that exit interview. Mm-hmm. He told me everything that was wrong with me, my culture, my business model, my interview process, the other people in the, in the company. And I should have written that guy a check right there because right. that information saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now I ask everyone for feedback. I, mm-hmm. I give feedback, I ask for feedback. It's a key to the working relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to hire, Figure out your budget. Figure out what tasks you have to take off your plate. Figure out what your perfect person looks like. Mm-hmm. Interview to find that perfect person. Set expectations right from the beginning, and then start that feedback loop as early and often as possible.
0: Right. You know, and and uh, it's it's interesting to go through the process because we do have to fine tune it. Um, you know, Kim, my producer is my fourth or fifth VA. She's the only one that has worked out. And, you know, and she and I've been working together probably several years now. And, and because, you know, part of it is that I have definitely fine-tuned the process. You know, initially I was really vague to my VA, go and do. <laughs> you know? And I set them up for failure. I mean, that was the bad part. And, you know, and and, and then I hired a friend. Well, no, then that didn't work. Um, you know, and, and all these various things. And so finally, by the time I got to Kim, I treated it like I was hiring an employee. I got a, I created a job description. And what I did was I, you know, exactly what you said, I figured out, okay, these are the tasks that I have been doing that I need to outsource. It takes me X number of hours to do this, you know, all these various things. And then, you know, I, I figured my budget, all those, you know, and, and, and then I did go to um, a VA agency, posted my job. I had, I don't know, you know, I had quite a few applicants, um, but I narrowed it down to about five and I did Skype interviews with them. I really wanted to see them, um, you know, and, and part of that was to see kind of their work environment. You know, were they at their kitchen table and there were kids running amok or did they treat it like it was a business and they, you know, at least where they were, it, it looked like a business. Um, and, and actually, all of them were great. You know, they, they all could have done, you know, a great job for me. Kim was the only one who sent me a follow up. Now they all sent me follow ups. But you know, a, a thank you for the and I'm sure they had, you know, that was part of their process. They were always told follow up. She was the only one who made suggestions. And so, you know, I liked that initiative. I liked the fact that she clearly did her research, you know, and and you know, and and so I just knew okay, this is this is the one I want to try. But when I made up my mind to take it seriously, that's when it worked.
1: Right, and I agree. I mean, it's one of those things that you never just finalize your hiring process, right? You're not like, oh, it's done. I'll go worry about other parts. You're you're constantly improving it. When someone gets through and they're a good hire, you go back and you say, how do I get more people like that? And when someone gets through and it doesn't go well, then you say, hey, how can I ask new questions? How can I set expectations better? How can I make it more clear in the job posting, whatever it is? So you're constantly trying to improve. You're constantly trying to make it better, and that's why I encourage people to. Really focus on what they can control. There's so much that you can't control, right? you got their personal issues, some other company swoops in with a better offer, all that stuff that you can't. Focus on what you can control. And if you're constantly making everything that you can control better and better over time, your good hiring percentage is going to go better and better and better over time.
0: Right. Now, Nathan, we talked about this from the perspective of the client, you know, what they need to do. Let's go on the opposite side. You know, let's talk to the people who are thinking, hmm... I want to be a freelancer or maybe more importantly, they are kind of a freelancer. And I'm saying kind of on purpose because it's, they're trying it. They're thinking about it. Uh, Tell us about, you know, people who really, and, and, you know, they can, they can, you know, there are people who you clearly do this for a couple hours a week. They do it to supplement their salary. They do it full time, all those various things. But, how does somebody you know become a successful freelancer
1: yeah great question I, it, to me it starts by getting in the mentality of a business owner if you're a business owner you need a website if you're a business owner you need to market yourself if you're a business owner you need to have some kind of process and system how do you onboard clients what documents do you need how do you handle issues when they come up mm-hmm. get out of the mentality that you're just a graphic designer or you're just a writer get in the mentality of a business owner and when you do that a lot of things will change. And we have a lot of great resources on our blog and our podcast. We interview clients and freelancers and learn from other entrepreneurs, just like other entrepreneurs, learn from other entrepreneurs, treat yourself like a business, like an entrepreneur, and, and figure out what your goals are. Are you trying to build a lifestyle business? Are you trying to make as much money as possible? Are you trying to eventually build an agency? Is this a stepping stone to make money to invest in something else? Mm-hmm. Figure out what that is. And, and if, if you know what you're looking for and what your ideal lifestyle looks like, you're going to have a lot more success. If you, if you have no idea what you want at the end result, you can make all the money in the world. You're you're never going to be happy. You have to know what you actually want your life to look like.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I love that, that you talk about that because it is about taking yourself seriously as a business. Um, you know, I've I always wonder about somebody who's a website designer and they don't have their own website, especially in this day and age. I mean, you know, folks, it, it's not too complicated to at least set up a basic website you know when you need things like e-commerce and you know you know all sorts of other things then you know probably it is best not probably it is best in many cases to outsource it but you know to have a landing page a home page where you've got your bio you've got you know some samples of things that you do you'll have that have that presence you know and and the the one thing that we really didn't talk about was you know things like okay you know be- behave yourself on social media <laughs> you know, if it, because people will research you. Uh, you know, that's the, the interesting thing about this is, you know, even a, you know, they're going to look for what we call social proof. You know, they're going to Google you, whether you're part of an agency, part of a, a you know, an organization or totally on your own, I'm going to look somebody up. You know, I want to see what's out there about them. Um, now, in some cases it is better to find nothing. But you know, clean up your act, folks. You know, especially if you're going to be a freelancer. Don't you know? Maybe it's time to grow up and you and be you know not be doing the drunken debauchery posts and you know all those various things, or at least have those hidden. (laughs) Don't have it under your name, you know, and and all of those things. And and clearly, you know, one of the things I was telling people have a LinkedIn presence. You know, that's, that's the professional site. That's, that's where to do it. But, um, you know, it's, and there are ways that you can still have a fun personal life without the whole world seeing it.
1: Right. hundred percent. I mean, I post a lot of social media and if anything even starts to turn negative, I'm just deleting that post and moving on. I don't have time for that. So (laughs) I'm kind of in the mentality too. I mean, you can have your own opinions about politics, about the world, about whatever, If you want to have a business, if you want to have a client base, you have to understand you're going to be working with people with a lot of different opinions, a lot of different backgrounds, and you just got to keep it professional at all times.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I look on Facebook and and there are times where, oh, I want to respond. Oh, I want to respond so Mm. bad. And I don't. Because I can't. I mean, you know, my clients, my potential clients, people like that see my my personal page. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm very deliberate about that. I know they're going to. Um, and so I just don't respond. Um, you know, I've, I've shared this story before uh, years ago or not years ago. Yeah, I guess it be years ago. Um, I was, I, I taught communications um, at Metro State University in Denver. And that was when Twitter, and Twitter, of course, still really big, but, um, you know, Twitter was really getting a start. And so people were using it a lot. And, you, and my students would say, oh, follow me. No, no, no. I never followed my students. That's kind of like, you know, don't, don't hire your friends. I never, now on LinkedIn, I would. But, you know, for any other social platforms, I did not connect with them as long as I was their professor. And this young lady who was one of my straight A students showed up early for the early morning class all the time. I mean, very professionally dressed, all these various things, kept telling me, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. So I finally checked her out and every post had the F word in it, every post. And I was like, ooh, no. And so, you know, called her aside after class, you know, I'd never call her out. And I said, no, no, you know, plus she was a senior and getting ready to apply for jobs. And I said, no. And, and her Twitter handle was her name. So people were going to find it very easily. And, and I told her, I said, you got to stop that. She says, but that's how my friends talk. I said, I don't care. I said, especially on Twitter, you can have, as many Twitter accounts as you want. It's not like some of the other platforms. And I said, okay, set up your fun one that nobody except your friends can find. And that's where you drop the F-bomb. That's where you talk about how much you drank over the weekend. And then you have your professional Twitter account. So when, especially because she was a communications major, I said, you know, when people look for you, they will find the professional you.
1: Right. I, I completely agree with, with everything that you said. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I you, you have to in this day and age. It's so easy for you to lose clients over something small. The last thing you want to do is lose clients over a post you made right. two months ago, you know?
0: <laughs> or longer. I mean, you know, look at how far back people are going and, and researching years. You know, now can you control that? No. You, now you can go through and delete those, you know, and, and depending on what you do, you might need to. You might need to go back and clean up your social media presence close those accounts do whatever um but you know especially if you are a freelancer what is that impression you're giving you know make sure that people know okay this is a professional because they're entrusting you with their business their baby you know and and so make sure that that you've got that great reputation
1: right i completely agree
0: Oh my gosh, Nathan, we are at the top of the hour and we didn't even talk about a couple of the subjects that I wanted to. So we definitely will, will have you on again, but in the meantime, tell people how they find and connect with you online.
1: Yeah. So I have a Facebook group called Outsourcing Masters where we post a lot of great content to help you hire and outsource better. Um, you can go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar, my team's calendar is right at the top of the page. Um, create a free account with us. And you mentioned this podcast, get a $25 credit to try us out. Cool. Uh, yeah, we look forward to helping you with all your, your hiring needs and you can connect with me on, on really any social media channel.
0: Cool. Cool. I love it. You know, and again, you know, folks, whether you work with Nathan or not, he's got great resources, you know, and, and, you know, I was reading through his blog, liked his book, you know, all of these various things. And, and, you know, as you're considering, you know, hiring, outsourcing, you know, or becoming a freelancer, absolutely fabulous resources. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, this really has been a, a great time. Um, you know, Is there anything you want to leave people with? What are, you, what are your final words? Yeah, don't give up. Hiring's hard. Being an
1: entrepreneur is hard. Keep tweaking. Keep adjusting. Use resources for me and other people. And eventually, you're, you're going to build that A-team. Because when you have an A-team, then it becomes addicting. Then it becomes fun, and you can get a lot of stuff done.
0: Perfect. I love it. Well, I am Deb Creer. We've been having a great conversation with Nathan Nathan Hirsch. And until next time, everyone have a great day.
1: Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your
0: business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.